Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Hi, I'm Dana Steingold, and welcome to the Theater Podcast with Alan Seals. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Theater Podcast. I'm your host, Alan Seals, and our guest is Dana Steingold, who, if my predictions are correct, is about to be shot out of a cannon for her phenomenal performance in The Cottage on Broadway, which just opened at the Hayes Theater. Go down, check it out. I don't even want to give an intro for this because I just want to jump straight into the episode. It was so much fun. Find me online, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, Threads, Facebook, all the places. Leave ratings, reviews, tell your friends, and everybody, please enjoy this episode with Dana Steingold. Our guest for this episode was last seen on Broadway, originating the role of Girl Scout in Beetlejuice on Broadway, where she also covered the role of Lydia Dietz. She was last heard on this podcast during the first run of Beetlejuice way back in episode 58 with fellow castmates Elliot Maddox and Ramon Owens, and can now be seen on the Broadway stage again at the hilarious Deirdre in The Cottage, which opened, which will have just opened by the time this episode drops. Dana Steingold, welcome to the theater podcast again. Thank you. And I, I was, uh, I was reading back through your bio, and I totally forget. And we probably talked about this the first time, but I totally forget that you performed at North Carolina Theater at one point. I right? sure did. I did so, hairspray there. Yeah, I would. What year was that? Oh, oh, that's such a good question. Probably two thousand. You know, it's okay. Here's a good marker. Um, Ariana DeBose was in that production as Little Inez as well. Yeah, yeah. And so it was pre, I think it was right before she did bring it on. So it would have been like the summer prior to that. Yeah. Ari and I are both from Raleigh. So yeah, yeah we've got the same like old, old group of friends but from back there. But no, the reason I was asking is because I, I got my professional debut at NCT because that's the area that I was from. That's the first time oh I ever got paid gosh. for a show was at NCT. What show was it? Um, my uh, my Fair Lady. Oh. With, with Elena Shadow. I haven't heard from Elena in a while, but... Uh, oh, she's great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But um, absolutely wonderful. And then I did another show there with Casey Nicola and Casey mm-hmm. Hutchins before Casey was... Before either of them were who they are now, right? Yes, I just yes. love... I love how all that stuff works. Anyway, um, this is about Dana Steingold, not about Alan Seals. So, Dana, (laughs) listen up. Um, I saw The Cottage the other day, and holy shit, Dana. um, This is one (laughs) of the funniest shows that I have seen probably in forevers. Oh, good. (laughs) Yes. That's crazy (laughs) here. And uh, I guess, like, your credits, you know, regionally um, and on tour, you've done... done, like uh, a spelling bee and and other things that are that are uh, Avenue Q, which are comedies, but not to this extent. They're not like over the top. I want to say British farce, right? Yeah, and I would say it's definitely living in a higher. Uh, the situations are so elevated, so everyone is sort of operating in that sort of Noel Coward world of extremes and sort of like, you know we sort of do a lot of taking like a lot of takes to the audience um you know that you wouldn't necessarily get away with in other shows but it feels like it's in the world of the play that we've made 
But where where did I guess what was the audition process like for this for for you? Because um, it's just it's funny how everything came together. And I, I cannot speak enough praises about this show directed by uh, Jason Alexander. This is his Broadway directorial debut um, written by uh, written by Sandy Rustin. And it, this is the first time a play she's written has made it on Broadway. So it's her Broadway playwriting debut. And Alex Moffat is in it with you, of course, from SNL. This is his Broadway debut. And then you've got Laura Bell Bundy who, and Lily Cooper, who were both theater kids, but have done TV and film. And Eric McCormick from Will and Grace, who was doing like the cast you included are all just so insane and i figure oh, thank you like like as a director jason alexander i don't know how did you get attached to this thing because everyone's story everyone's so different totally um yeah so this was a slightly more normal process than say beetlejuice um which was sort of just developing it over the years and it eventually became beetlejuice uh they, I think, had been, they had everyone kind of locked down except for Deirdre. They were having trouble finding this particular track because it kind of requires a lot of weird things without giving too much away. But, um, you know, she's an innocent for sure and uh, is the youngest one, but then sort of takes a turn in the second act. Um, and there's a little bit of darkness to her as well uh, that gets revealed. And so I think they were having some trouble and... Uh, they started sort of opening opening it up, I think, a little bit, because I think initially they were trying to maybe get someone like namier um, than I. And uh, they sent me the material to make a tape. And my agent said, just take, you know, take a look at it, read, read the play, see what you think. And I was away working in Florida doing a concert and they I got the material on like Friday and they wanted it on a Monday. And I said, <laughs> I'm flying in Sunday. Can I make the tape Tuesday? Is that okay? Because I just feel like it needs a little more time because it was kind of like <laughs> when you see the show, you'll see trying to make a self tape of this is kind of wild. Um, There's so much physical comedy associated with it. Yeah. So like, and one of the scenes, you know, there's, she pulls a gun on somebody and like, I had like, a, I tried a Swiffer and the Swiffer was too big. And then I had to turn it into like my vacuum. It was like a disaster. Um, and my poor husband read the entire thing with me. Um, and so it was kind of crazy. And then one of the other requirements of the tape was I had to, and I didn't understand at the time why, but they were like, basically make a tape of yourself slowly drinking a bottle of wine and getting <laughs> yeah that was part of the audition I ending love up that. collapsed and i was like <laughs> okay um so i have thousands of I, I made a few i was like trying to flip over my couch i was like i like hit my head on my coffee table a few times um and i have a lot of weird footage of me like spitting water out of my mouth like very ugly <laughs> tapes um so I did the self-tape and submitted that and they were like, okay, great. We're going to have like a final callback. There's a handful of girls and you're going to go in for a work session. Um, and so I just, we kind of got notes on our tapes, which was kind of an interesting thing because that was the first time that's ever happened to me for a theatrical process yeah, and not for film and TV. Yeah. And also this show, I would not say translates to camera well. So it's this weird thing of, how heightened can you be uh, when a camera is a foot from your face versus, you know, in a space? So um, I actually like also hadn't auditioned in a really long time because COVID had happened, at least not for theater. We've been making tapes in our living rooms. And then I went right back into Beetlejuice. And so I was like, I need to kind of like get in a room and feel like what this is like for myself outside of a 
my second bedroom in my apartment. Um, so I rented a space for myself and my friend Oli came and helped me and read with me. And I, for like an hour, I did everything like physically out and out loud. Um, cause I felt that that was kind of like what I needed for my process, <laughs> which is a little crazy, but I think it was good. And then I came in and I just kind of had a good time and Jason was really fun. And, uh, we worked for like 20, 25 minutes and, uh, he was like, okay, great. Now it's just like, can you do the, that scene and just have a Cockney accent instead? Um, Cause you know, she gets a little messy in yeah. act two. And I was like, okay. So I was basically threw myself on the ground, like did everything other than like stand on my head and spit nickels. And um, I found out like 24 hours later that I, I was getting the offer, which was very exciting. So it all happened very fast. And then it was announced like four days after that. So. Wow. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't realize that it, that it was, um, I, I guess that early in the process, I, when you said you were going back into Beetlejuice, was were you, had you taken just a, a hiatus from Beetlejuice or, or you mean it was like that was oh. when Beetlejuice was coming back to the to the marquee? Oh, no, no. This this was post Beetlejuice. I actually we finished Beetlejuice January 8th and I went in for this literally like six weeks later. So and I basically like eight weeks later, I found out I was doing the cottage like post Beetlejuice. That's insane. It's fun how that happens because you never know if you're going to work like six years oh, later or six days later. It's so crazy. And honestly, if someone had said this was on like my bucket list this year, like I I would never have seen this one coming. I didn't think this was going to be the next thing. But it's so exciting that it is because it's so different than what I was doing for the last few years at Beetlejuice. So yeah. I mean, like, do, do you exciting. consider yourself somebody... I mean, would you consider yourself somebody who would like need to be put up for comedies like this or because like, like I like I was I guess kind of getting at earlier was like with with Avenue Q and Spelling Bee and and Beetlejuice and other things like those are funny um but in in a in a very sort of oh gosh like what am I trying to say not a, a more subdued way and this is so over the top not, it's it knows what it is it's so campy and it's incredibly funny right it is it's it's sort of i would say almost like a a period sitcom if yes. that makes sense yes like yes 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 yeah uh it sort of lives in that world at least in sort of the production that we have built so it's there is this Noel Coward vibe, but it has a very sitcom vibe in sort of like the way the bits are happening and how physical it is for pretty much everyone in the show um you know, listen, would I say I'm a person who needs to be put up for it? No, I would say I'm a person who likes to work. And so I will take the audition if it comes. And I sort of, you know, my agent actually was sort of the one who pitched me and was like, I think Dana can do this. Like, I really think she can. Um, so it's really to Aaron's credit. Thank you, Aaron, um, for seeing something in me that maybe I didn't necessarily see for myself. So and well, that's what good agents do. Yeah. Well, <laughs> listeners, if you need an agent, uh, email Aaron at Aaron at Yeah. Uh, yes. So she'll love that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Aaron at Dana's agent. I'm going to go register that domain name. So the, <laughs> the, that's really cool. What you just said about have it like being a, a period sitcom, because that makes total sense. Um, with, with Jason Alexander at the helm, of course. And I don't, I actually don't know Sandy, Sandy's other work, unfortunately, but is this in her normal style, do you know? Or is this something like she and Jason got together and then all of a sudden they're like, okay, these are the types of people we need for it. We need people who can do who can do comedy, who can do physical, who can do sitcom and like because it, it really is now that you said it, every I'm looking at it from a from a TV lens. And it literally is 
a TV set. Uh, not literally. It's figured. <laughs> looks like a TV set, and yeah. the set is part of everything. the 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 show doesn't work without the gags that are incorporated into the set. Yeah, it's sort of like. I guess two shows that come to mind for me like that are sort of like Monica's apartment on friends or like um, the bar in cheers or something. There's like one main communal space and all the funny kind of happens in this one space. Mm-hmm. Um, and ha- and the comedy comes in like how familiar each person is with said space, right. As they enter. Um, but yeah, I think so Sandy and Jason, I believe met a few years ago and he directed a reading of this pre COVID I think at MTC, I want to say, and then COVID kind of shut everything down as we know. Uh, And it took a while to get back on track and get everyone's schedules aligned, I think. Um, And Sandy also, so she's done a bunch of stuff recently uh, where she's been like rewritten the books for some encore shows. And she also did Clue, which has been happening everywhere. Right, right. Clue does sort of live in this world a little bit. But I think she just, I mean, I don't want to speak for her, but she says she just loves the genre of sort of this like farce and all of these British comedies. And she was like, wow, I love this. What would happen if I did this with a feminist lens and made the women kind of like the more powerful people? And as certainly in the Noel Coward plays, uh, that is not the case. My character, I would say, is not somebody who exists, is not a trope that exists in the Noel Coward world Mm -mm. at all. So it's a little less true for my character and perhaps Nahal's character as well. Uh, Not to give him away, because I guess he's sort of a bit of a reveal. But uh, yeah, and I think that they collaborated for a while on what they thought this was. And I think the thing they knew was that they needed people who were super funny and super quick. And I know the other day, actually, I was just told that when they finally got a theater, they were like, well, we need a star, basically. Who is it going to be? And I think Jason made a cold call to Eric and was like, we got a theater. Um, I think you'd be really right for this. Will you read this play? The trick is we need to know tomorrow. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And so he read it uh, that night and called him and said, I think I have to do this. Um, And he said he just always kind of wanted to do like a British, this kind of thing. yeah, but I think they were like, we just need super funny people who are willing to kind of go there because it is a big ask to kind of trust that your actors are going to be willing to go there because it is not a way in which we present comedy on stage in most shows at, at this point in time in 2023. It's mm-hmm. usually a little bit more of an of an underserve, I would say, a little bit more delicate <laughs> than what we're doing. But this has been very fun and freeing because we get to be so large. So it's it's not it's not dirty comedy. It's not raunchy comedy. It's it just is funny. And like I want to, you know, what like the carnival games where you have to guess how many marbles are in a jar. I think like everybody should have to you should do a contest where you can figure out how many cigarettes are hidden on the on the set. Um, Totally. (laughs) You know, I don't even know. I don't know the answer. But (laughs) yeah. And they're like in our costumes or there's cigarettes everywhere. Right. We're going to take a short break. Stay tuned for more of the episode. I would say that's the one downside of the show is how many cigarettes everybody is smoking because it does, they're herbal, but it does smell like cigarettes like all the time. Yeah, <laughs> so. it's so funny though, everywhere you look. Anyway, but um, I guess kind of backing up a little bit outside of the cottage, um, which I think is just going to be a wonderful, wonderful hit and hopefully get extended forever and ever. Thank um, you. I hope so. <laughs> yeah. So then 
going back to, if we may, going back to Beetlejuice days and like episode 58 when we first talked and met was, I don't even remember what year it was at this point. I guess it was 2019? Or, yeah. or early 2020. Might have been early 2020. It wasn't 2020. It wasn't 2020 because, yeah, it wasn't 2020. So yeah. it's been 19. And, um, and the show was, the show, I think at the point when you and I met, the show was just seeing a resurgence because of Presley Ryan's TikTok presence. Yeah. Right? Was that, and was that post Tony's? It might've been like just post Tony awards maybe? Yeah. Slash yeah. cast recording. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. It's, so things were just coming out. Social media all of a sudden. Because I remember I look back through our interview notes, my interview notes for episode 58. And one of my questions was, what is TikTok anyway? That's how new it was. Yeah. <laughs> I literally and wrote I, that. To be honest, I still don't really know. Um, <laughs> but so, it is certainly a powerful tool. <laughs> right. So think so think back then, right? And you're in Beetlejuice, uh, post Tony's, the show's all of a sudden seeing this is coming back. The COVID's not even on our radar yet. And yeah. and so I remember um you originated the Girl Scout, uh, which became like it's kind of this this cult favorite of of the show. I know. I, I I'm so grateful. I don't really know how that happened out of like a two and a half minute thing that happens at the top of Act Two. But I'm I, I do love. I loved that part so much. I still love it. Um, I would do it again in a second if they let me go to a different production. Like it was also we just love each other so much that I think all of us are like we're like family. We all built the show from the ground up, so it's we would all go do it together again somewhere anytime. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, it's it was certainly a wild ride. And then coming, like that was sort of, we spoke at sort of the, as we were sort of climbing the ladder of like, whoa, this show's becoming something we didn't see, which is this like cult uh, fandom show selling out every day because when we first opened i don't think anyone was sure what was going to happen we sort of opened to like mixed reviews and it wasn't for everybody and we kind of thought okay well if we if we make it to the tonys like maybe we'll get a couple weeks after that you know we weren't selling that well and then the cast album came out TikTok happened and the tony awards performance happened and it just exploded and I don't think any of us were quite ready for that, um, but it really was like a grassroots um, campaign from the cast because we were just, they were like engaged with everyone on social media. So that was a perfect example of like how social media has truly changed Broadway fandom and how shows can market, um, I think. Mm -hmm. So we would just like everybody's photos. We tagged everything for everybody. We would comment and it just kind of grew from there. And then when we closed, sort of at the height of its major fandom, I would say, um, it was super interesting to come back because when we came back, besides COVID and all the things that we were all carrying from that process emotionally, we were also coming back as a hit. Yeah. <laughs> so that was like, I don't know any show that's ever done that. Um, so it was really wild. That first show back was like truly like Rolling Stones energy. It was so wild it is absolutely the closest i'll ever feel to being like taylor swift like <laughs> people screaming as if we were like yeah like taylor swift that's the only way to put it i mean truly losing their minds um so i yeah. i was i i for broadway podcast network i um eli tokash and i went to uh 
we were there for press doing doing a little bit of, of coverage um, of the reopening, the resurrection, as I call it, at the marquee. And yeah. so afterwards, as the audience was loading out, um, we were there with a mic and a camera just randomly stopping people who were in full cosplay, uh, yeah. asking, you know, why they like the show, whatever. And the overwhelming sort of message, the through line of all of this, and, and one person literally said, this show saved my life. Yeah, I know. And it's, it's really special. I, I will say, I think, I always say that I think what's special about Beetlejuice is that it centers around a very real girl. And it's not a girl who's trying to find love or make a boy love her or um, even seek friendship. It's just a girl moving through real emotions, um, moving through grief, trying to feel seen and understood. And I think people so connect with that and the normalcy of that, because I think most people don't feel seen. But um, Beetlejuice is such an incredible, when people say like theater can't change lives, and it's so silly because it's it's Beetlejuice, right? So you don't think of it that way. Mm -hmm. But I think our show is like such a prime example of how theater can connect you and that online fandom, the amount of people we met at the stage door who would say, oh, we met online because we both loved Beetlejuice and this is the first time we're meeting coming here at the show and I dressed as Lydia and he dressed as Beetlejuice and this person's Juno. And it was so special uh, that anybody felt that connected to it. And yes, I think the opening was a huge celebration of that. And it was pretty spectacular to like that. I've never received that much energy like coming at me at that rate. Um, we all were sort of like literally like wigs blown back. It was it was kind of crazy. It's it's really cool how I mean, the cast itself has gone through so much. The industry went through COVID shutting down and coming back and Beetlejuice <laughs> itself shut down and came back and then there was also the controversy around like getting i'll put in air quotes kicked out of the of the winter garden and finding <laughs> yes. another theater and you know so yeah. there's all, all of that and the show i think every one of these things that was meant to keep the beetlejuice down it, it just true to its name kept rising from the dead yeah, I think it's, I always say Beetlejuice is like the little big show that could. Um, <laughs> it's like anytime you say something won't happen, we defy the odds. It's like truly been, it really, and probably will be one of the craziest experiences and best experiences of my life. Uh, I think you you have to be quite lucky to have some, like a second Beetlejuice happen to you um, where people feel that strongly about a show and people love it that much. And you inside of the show feel the way you do about the people that you're working with. And it wasn't just the cast. It was everyone, hair, like wigs, makeup, makeup, props, like truly everybody in that, um, in that building is incredibly special and so cool. And it was just the most chill, fun vibe. Um, but yeah, it's it's a wild thing. <laughs> it's true. I don't even know. People always ask me to describe the experience and I'm always like, I don't have words. It was sort of like summer camp. Like it was sort of like that. Just not a job. It's it sounds like it's it's fun. It's not work. It it's also work. It's a hard show energetically to do <laughs> eight times a week specifically for the principals, but um but it is a very fun job. It's probably one of the best jobs you could have. Yeah. 
Was it different for you? I mean, obviously, literally, literally is a different track. But like going in for for Lydia, um, did you did you dread those moments? Did were you excited for those, or was it like uh, you know your normal track versus um, going in for Lydia? Was that like you're like oh now I can shine, or like oh crap I gotta everyone's looking at me now because everyone kind of handles that pressure a little bit differently. Yeah. Um, no, you know, what's so funny. I, I was around since the very beginning of the show. So I have a familiarity with the piece that doesn't make it that difficult. And also I think that it can be overwhelming like the first time you go on. But for me, the fun in that track was that I got to play with everybody on stage in a way that I don't every night because as Girl Scout, I never really see anybody else except for Lydia. Um, like I hang out with them backstage, but mm-hmm. my moment is solely with Lydia and Beetlejuice, basically. Um, and then I was like in furniture and stuff because they wanted to hide me. So I was doing all these like other weird things um, like the shrunken head and the pig cart. So I was always sort of isolated from everybody. So size, size fun, advantage. Size advantage. Yeah. Yes. Built for me. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. I still remember the day they came in. They were like, are you claustrophobic? And I said, no. And I, re- I to this day, I regret it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, But yeah, I think the fun in Lydia for me was that I got to engage with everybody and do scene work and kind of have a whole through line because Girl Scout is sort of like being shot out of a cannon and is in ways, not stamina wise, but in a way more difficult because you kind of have to assess where the audience is and you have literally five seconds to do it and have them get get them on your side, essentially. Um, Whereas Lydia, you have two and a half hours to make it happen. So I think that that is sort of the great part of Lydia. Certainly it takes a different amount of energy, but um, I've I've always found it very fun to do. Yeah. Yeah. I I think it would, I think be so, so different, like roles so different like that being, um, you know, like you said, it's two and a half minutes on stage uh, in this one, I guess, named character versus being furniture or in a shrunken head or whatever the case is. Right. (laughs) Um, And, but, and Lydia, Lydia too, I feel like it's the singing is probably the, the, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. Is it the singing that's the hardest part is what I was going to say? Or is it like, because Lydia's not, Lydia is the straight one. Lydia's not trying to be funny. Yeah. Like Lydia doesn't need to be funny like Beetlejuice does. So right. is that, is it easier to, to play the straight one real in a comedy or is it easier to try to be the over the top falling over couches in the cottage? I think it's easier to be the straight person for sure. Um, <laughs> but that, but it's also its own, that's its own unique skill as well, because you have to realize that you're setting somebody up. So for them to succeed, you have to sort of like give them the space to do that and understand how to serve to them, if that makes sense, mm-hmm. uh, in a different way. But no, I, vocally, Lydia was, that actually was super easy. I think um, the thing that, I liked the most actually was also that the emotional journey was what was challenging. Um, And it was so lovely to get to be able to go on stage and feel different things. And I, you know, Girl Scout is like pure optimism in the face of danger. Like that's kind of her whole thing. Um, Never sees anything coming that's terrible. And Lydia is moving through grief. So I think then when you finally get to home in the second act and you kind of get to let it all out and um, you see that she's kind of been the parental figure all along, uh, that's sort of a lovely release. So I always found that to be 
quite fun. We're going to take a short break. Stay tuned for more of the episode. I think the cottage, even though it's hilariously funny, I think it's going to reach people too, because there, there's a there's a need now for really good comedy for laughter because there's so much crap going on in the world I agree with and you. especially on <laughs> on stage and it being a completely original story too you don't we don't get a lot of that anymore no i agree i think it's i think a it's what people are looking for just to kind of come and and laugh and I hope I'm not giving anything away, but like there's a really good fart joke in it, which you're like, is so funny. And then you start laughing at yourself because you're like, why am I laughing this hard at a fart joke? <laughs> like, because of so how funny. Lily sells it. Yeah, it's just really, really, really deeply funny. Oh my God, um, it's so funny. But it does also explore very real themes about marriage and fidelity and what a happy marriage really is, what defines a good partner for somebody. And um, I guess sort of, the, the boundaries of marriage and what you're willing to uh, what you're willing to do to stay in it um, and sort of survive in it. And also like whether you really need a man in your life as a, well, mm. I shouldn't say a man, a partner, a partner in your life. Yeah. In our show, it's female, male, female relationships. But I should say like, uh, do you need a partner to make you whole or complete? Yeah. Have you, have you dissected this with your husband? Just curious. <laughs> I've dissected it in that he's run the lines with me a lot of times. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but he hasn't been like, let's do some character work. No, uh, no, certainly not with my character for many reasons. Um, yeah. <laughs> she is the mistress. Um, but no, and he actually, he usually waits to see everything until opening. Um, also at my request, because I kind of am like, no, like come see it when it's like a finished product. Like don't, don't come see like the first, you know, the first few previews. Um, so he hasn't seen it yet. He only knows what he's done with me as far as like preparing for my auditions and like putting me on tape. <laughs> oh, that's so fun. So that's... he's in for a ride. Oh, it is, um, and it is a ride at that. When I, it, when I saw it, I saw it a week ago as we were recording this, um, the curtain went up and the set got its own entrance applause. Yeah. Does that still happen? Uh, it has been happening. Yeah. It's a very beautiful set. <laughs> it's a gorgeous set. And it looks yeah, so normal at first. It Yes. It is one of those things where there's Easter eggs. So actually, you probably can't even see this from the first row, but all of the wallpaper is hand-painted and it's actually Kama Sutra poses. <gasps> I didn't see that. Yeah. So there's all kinds of weird little things on the set, uh, you know, that they've kind of hidden that are kind of just for us. I'm sure they're going to do like a social media tour suit of it um but yeah it's a really fun set and it is getting entrance applause sort of like the house in beetlejuice mm -hmm. and weirdly the second act also starts with thunder so i guess maybe that's my thing now <laughs> <laughs> the, i don't know I, I had i had fun with um with the guy i went with to see the show uh when the when the curt the drop that's down um before the show we were oh. we were pointing out we were trying we we're like oh wait how, what what else is going on in this in this yeah. drop we were like finding all the all the possibly inappropriate things that correct that were all Look over that very drop. closely at yeah. that drop yeah, yeah. That there's was, some very fun stuff that was very good all right well everybody um oh well since since the show has already opened by the time this will drop how did opening go Opening went great. Nice. 
<laughs> so glad to hear it. Fingers crossed. Opening went great. <laughs> <laughs> Red carpet was insane. Everyone was yeah, there. Yeah, it was and... awesome. It was perfect. <laughs> I can't wait, actually, with, with a director like uh, like Jason and the star power of, I mean, yourself included, right? But LBB and, and Eric McCormick and Alex Moffat and everybody. Everyone who's going to come see this show. And like the people you're going to get to interface with, I think are, it's just going to be so much fun. It's like one of those added perks. Of, it's so of the crazy. Job. I actually walked out last night and I was walking to greet my guests and I walked right into Marsha Gay Harden. <laughs> I was like, oh, Marsha Gay Harden. Hello. Hi, how are you? <laughs> um, but yeah, it's it's definitely a very fun, a fun vibe and kind of like Beetlejuice too, like really the company is really great and I feel really lucky that I've landed in a company again where everyone just kind of is vibing really hard so uh, we're having a good a very good time so that is helpful for sure and I think it helps imbue everything that's happening on stage because we really do have to sort of act like a sitcom you are like cast kind of because everyone's kind of helping each other get to their moments. Um, and it really is sort of an ensemble piece and everyone has to work together and trust each other. So that's been fun. And not get stuck in scenery. I think, I think the, the porch got stuck when you were there. <laughs> oh, oh, you were there that night. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. That was the first night we put that in and we, so the, all those pop-ins were new. That whole section was new. Oh really? We oh, it was so yeah. funny. Um, thank you. And I, I was so excited because we had had something else there and I was like, this is not working because I think it's designed to be something else. But with the sight lines of the haze, it sort of prevented us from having it be the thing that I think was originally intended. And so thankfully, Jason and um, Sandy kind of pow out on that and came up with a great solution that I think now is quite funny. But one of them involves me popping out of a piece of furniture. And when we rehearsed it, everything was empty on that piece of furniture. But when everybody comes into the house, everybody brings like three suitcases with them. And everyone kind of forgot that all the suitcases would then be on that piece of furniture at that time. So I tried to come out and I was like, what is happening? And I was really like, am I this tired today that I can't lift it? Like what's happening? So I ended up. It was like one eye and like a hand slightly. Like, like <laughs> yeah, I, I was peering, um, and I basically laughed through the whole thing because everyone's face was like, <laughs> Lily's face was just done. Mm-hmm. Um, Laura Bell was gone, but she's definitely the easiest to break in <laughs> general. So, oh yeah, she'll tell you that though. She just she has a twinkle and it's just all over. Um, and uh, yeah, that was a good night. But that was the first night uh, we put that in. We have fixed that problem since. Oh, oh, that was the luggage is no longer there. Yeah, well, I, I came backstage right because uh, to to hang out with Laura Bell afterwards, and she was saying that that was the first night that that um, also the Michelangelo statue was put yes. in, and yeah. uh, I cannot give anything away about that because you've got to see it. <laughs> but um, Alex Moffat made a meal out of lighting a cigarette from yeah. Michelangelo's Michelangelo. Um, <laughs> good God. It was, again, uh, I just, this is one of those shows that whenever anyone comes to the city and they're like, what should I see? This is, this is going to be number one. Like it's, it's Great. just, That's I, awesome. I cannot stress just how, how fun it's, it's literally just fun. And that's what we need. And it, it heals, it brings us together and it's original and, like you were saying, the cast, the chemistry, everything that all of you have on stage just 
works. It's so good. And I think huge yeah. nod to to Jason and Sandy for putting something together like this and, and creating a cast, a cast dynamic that they have. It just is incredible. Yeah. And it's only two hours. And it's only two hours. With an admission. <laughs> So that's the that's the real pitch because I think that's like just the right amount of time in a theater. Yeah. So yeah, it's yeah. wonderful. All right, so um, we're gonna go through the same standard closing questions I ask everybody, and uh, I don't know if you remember what you said the first time. The, your answers are allowed to change. Don't even worry okay. about it. So the first question just is what motivates you? Uh, probably my friends motivate me. Um, because I tend to surround myself with people who I think make me better or make me want to be better. I like that. Okay. What advice would you give to your younger self and younger people listening now starting out down a similar path? Don't worry about the journey. People peak at different times. And so you just kind of have to take every success as a win, whether it's like small or huge. And just learn how to reframe the word no for yourself because no is usually just like not this time. It's not a definitive no. Nothing is ever the end of the world. Hmm. I like that a lot. And actually, I want to I add to that because someone told me the other day for um, I asked somebody, what's your relationship with failure? And they said, you only fail if you don't try. Mm -hmm. So if you try and it doesn't work, then you pivot. It's a no. A no is just another doorway that's opening. Exactly. I so, mean, the amount of no's that I've gotten that have turned into other jobs. So you yeah. just have to kind of remember that it's so many people have to say yes for a job to happen. It's kind of a small miracle when it does. So it's never a big deal. Cool, cool. All right. And last question. Hardest one. If you could only see one show for the rest of your life, but you can see it as many times as you want, what would you see? Oh, my gosh. What did I say last time? This is terrible. Oh, this is like Sophie's Choice. It could be. It would either be Sunday in a Park with George or Gypsy. Interesting. Okay. Gypsy with Patty. Oh, okay. Now, well, that's tough. If I have to choose a Mama Rose, <laughs> that's like sacrilege. I don't know if I could do that. It it might be Bernadette. Oh. But oh. that's the tie for Sunday, too. That's it. The internet's in an uproar now. They're like, I, no, no I Team loved, Patty, I Team Bernadette. I love Patty's. I love Patty. It's not a preference of, I think, um, their version. It's just merely how much I love Bernadette. So I would enjoy watching her for the rest I, I of understand, eternity understand. if I only had to watch one person. Before. Fair <laughs> enough. And now where can we find you online? How connect? Now that we know the TikTok is, where can we find you? Yes, you can find me on all the things at at D Steinface. Steinface. Mm -hmm. I am on uh, at the theaterpodcast.com. I'm on threads now at theater underscore podcast, oh. Instagram, threads, Facebook, Twitter, if that's still even a thing tomorrow. Who knows? Um, Have you th threaded? Oh, I'm threading. I am threading. Okay, okay. It's like I like did it, but I don't. I, I like threads. Threads. Threads is right. Is really cool right now because it's like when Clubhouse first came out at the beginning of right. COVID, when In all COVID, these celebrities yeah. were on, and you could just talk to people that you've never had access to before. And so now, like, I'm I'm having chats with David Corns uh, on Threads and oh. all these other great people. That I'm, I'm like, oh, this is this is kind of cool. I'm just gonna start like threading at them. Do you thread them? I know. Is it? What's that's what I'm saying. I don't know if it's called threading or like to thread i don't know <laughs> <laughs> we, we let us let us go to thread we are yeah. we are to thread tonight 
Thank you. Yeah. Okay. Well, exactly. I didn't even get into the dialect thank coach. Thank, thank you. Yes. All right. <laughs> Leave a rating and a review wherever you're listening now. If you're on Spotify, like, I think you can do that. Oh, you can add comments on YouTube music now. That's brand new. Jukebox the Ghost gave us this intro and outro music. And Dana Steingold, D. Steinface, gave us this wonderful chat. Thank you, D. Steinface. Thank you. <laughs> Take a deep breath. Make the world a little colorful. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.